Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's uh, let's bring our on our on-site correspondent to the show, uh, Effie. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's up, Wade? Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Well, it, thank you for calling, and thanks for taking time to uh, talk to us after attending RAW tonight. Oh, of course, of course. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So let's uh, just get get a sense of of the uh, overall vibe in the building. Did it feel like a hot show from start to finish and a hot product and the wrestlers were over? Was there an ebb and flow? Uh, did it feel, I don't know how many WWE shows you've attended, but how did it compare if you have attended other ones to those? Yeah, I think it's uh, probably on like the upwards, maybe like a hundred shows. I went to like six, seven meetings in a row. From like New York, like New York, thirty to like <laughs> maybe like WrestleMania thirty six. So I've been to a That's whole great. bunch of different shows, like all all the weekends, everything. So I'm pretty familiar with all the shows. I'm pretty familiar with all your questions too. So I'm gonna have them already in my head already. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's up. It was pretty good for the first hour. I felt like it was pretty jam packed. I think the crowd was even shocked too. Um, you know, I'm pretty uh up on the dirt sheets and stuff like that, and. I honestly, I didn't know Edge was coming, so I think that was a big shock for even like the casual fans there. So um, that was definitely a big surprise hearing Edge's music to start the show. And um, just a uh, wrap back to what you guys were just saying about Bianca. That's when I called in. I heard that, and I definitely agree with you guys. Um, now I'm a 30 year old, uh, you know, Latino male I'm Colombian, so I came with my two friends, and um, you know, they are uh, they're they're murderers as well. And I think we can all, I think we agree. We're saying the same thing. We're like, they are fans and I'm a fan of Bianca, but we were all talking about how we felt it just kind of plateaued. Like that was probably one of the least, like the least biggest pop of the night was Bianca came in. I just felt like she definitely should be having bigger pops at this point in her career. And uh, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's like my friends when we watch it, we kind of just thought we root for her because we wanted to do good. But it's like we kind of feel like they are dropping the ball with Bianca as well. Interesting. Uh, what kind of crowd? I, I keep going because I'm, I'm not sure if you have any input, but yeah. What kind of crowd reaction did Bianca get compared to other top level baby faces on the show tonight? Oh, definitely on the lower end. It was um, the top tops of the night for sure. Has to be Edge, Cody, Brock. Brock was a huge one. Obviously, you no, know, I don't think a lot of people were expecting to see Brock in there tonight. Um, Kevin Owens got a huge one. Um, well, I think the top two have to be Brock, Cody, um, and the and the arena for sure. Edge actually, those three were definitely the top. And Bianca, I said I would feel like she was kind of like a mid carder to be honest. Like I don't think hearing that pop, you wouldn't think that she's headlining the women's side of uh, WrestleMania. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Don't forget, we have regular podcasts throughout the week on our other feed, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast feed. It's our blue logo show, and it's free. Just search Wade Keller in your podcast app and click subscribe. And you can get our main flagships, our mailbags, our interviews, our pay-per-view preview shows, and some fascinating flashback episodes throughout the week. Just search Wade Keller in your podcast app and be sure you're subscribing to the Blue Logo Show in addition to this, the Red Logo Show. Yeah, so well, Effie knows what questions we're going to ask. It's just a matter of in what order, Tom. Uh, why don't you throw a question sure, this way sure, yeah. and see if you can surprise him. We'll, we'll try to keep him on, uh, on his toes. <laughs> well, I, I already mentioned earlier one that I want to ask, so I'll swerve and go a different direction. Uh, you mentioned that KO got one of the bigger pops of the night. 
when he came out and maybe, you know, the camera was facing a different. Well, now that they, they take the sound from the same mics anyway. Uh, forget forget that. Uh, it basically, when he emerged from the entryway, it sounded like someone turned on a hair dryer, like one of the one of the worst. Like, oh, wow, I thought KO was going to get a big pop, but that sounded super fake to me. And now you've disproven that because you were there and you heard the big pop. So I'm going to specifically ask about the other entrance that sounded that way to me with the Street Profits. I don't know if I imagine that by that point in the show, you knew that it was going to be an Angelo Dawkins singles match. Uh, but when the Profits came out, it sounded like the fakest crowd noise I had ever heard them put on WWE TV. What kind of pop did they get? It definitely wasn't the level of like the pop stars of Cody and Brock and KO, but it was definitely a pop, though. It wasn't. I would have said okay. it was a fake noise and put it in. It was actually louder than theories, and um, I've had something to say about that, too. I think it was the first time I've been in an arena with Theory's new music. I, I like Theory. I'm definitely a Theory fan, but I think they need to change his music. It's, like, it's just not like a pop, like a main star pop like theme song. It was just, I feel like it's not like a Roman or like I'm going to Brock music hits. You know what's coming. Well, you actually know what's coming. It's just not, you know, to me at least, it doesn't get that like huge pop sound, so... Actually, I said the Street Profits got a bigger pop than the um, than Theory did. Actually, interesting. Well, I'm I'm pleased like to hear huge. that actually because it huge. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, I I'm pleased to hear that just because I felt just having Theory get an enhancement match over a honestly like a at this point a lower card what feels like a lower card babyface. Uh, it felt like a lame follow-up to the match announcement and the, the Cena segment last week to me. So at least it was a bit more effective in the arena. But now I will ask, you know, my what I guess is becoming my signature question. Did you get there early enough to watch the main event mass- <laughs> matches? And if so, what did you think of the uh, the NXT talent? I um, Actually, I did not. I got there like five minutes okay. right before my friends were running late. And they had a ticket, so okay. I couldn't get in. Well, I'll let me tell you that if you had gotten there early, you would have just loved Dante Chen and Trick Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one's pretty local, right? One's from Boston. Oh, um, yeah. well, it must be must I be thought. Trick then, because uh, yeah, since Chen's from Singapore, so um, yeah, I didn't know that about Trick. Cool. Oh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but um, but um, yeah, I know one of the questions that. Weight like that is uh the capacity of like the center yeah. where we're at. It's fourteen thousand apparently. I would say that it was pretty full. The only thing that wasn't full was the, where the hard cam is. There was probably like four or five rows that was actually filled, and the rest was like blocked out. I'm not sure they're going to sell them. I've been to a lot of shows, and they usually don't have that many rows blocked out for the hard cam. So I'm not sure they're just going to sell them. But I checked tickets right before, like five minutes before the show, and there was like two sections left with. TC left, so it was pretty sold out. Actually, sold out show. It was just that little section right there. Um, you, you talked about the the best reactions of the night. Uh, what was a low point of the show uh, in terms of crowd interest? My reading from watching on television was the um, uh, that that the crowd died off a bit for uh, uh, oh man, Corbin Seth Rollins. Um, and, and maybe Austin Theory, Angelo Dawkins. But, yeah, what, what, what stood out as maybe a, a, a low point in terms of uh, crowd heat? Oh, it was for sure the Elias and um, uh, Bronson well, Reed. Like, who Elias fought. Bronson Reed, for sure. That yeah. was the bathroom break. And yeah. um, it was 
I even I I waited like two minutes. I went. The corridors were slammed. Um, <laughs> like the bathroom line was huge. The food line was huge. That was for sure the unofficial um, break of intermission of the show. Hundred percent. I say um, people sure do love to yeah, walk with Elias. Right. It's just a matter of which direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not the right direction they're looking for nowadays. But I think they dropped the ball on him. I mean, I don't say that's necessarily his fault, but. Yeah, definitely was the um, the intermission break of the night. Seth and um, Seth and, Seth and uh, Corbin. Yeah, Corbin didn't get a huge pop at all, really. I feel like people weren't really into him, uh, at least in Providence. And um, Seth got a huge reaction, though. There was a lot of Seth signs. I know you looked at uh, Seth signs and Seth T-shirts. So, um, Seth, uh, I know you have this, too. So, I've seen a lot of Seth shirts, Cody WrestleMania shirts, like the American Nightmare one, a lot of We The One shirts. And um, those have to be the top three for sure. They'll be the ones, Seth and uh, Cody, and a lot of Seth signs. So I think a lot of people were into Seth, but it's not that particular match. So those have to be the two. And I feel like a lot of people were definitely confused at the end of the Bianca match yeah. where Bianca and Austin just stare at each other. And I was like, wait, what, what's happening here? Yeah, we got like, some emails on that too. Was that was very weird. awkward. I'm not yeah. sure how that's translated. Yeah, I'm not sure how that translated on TV, but it was super weird in, in person. It was it was weird to watch on TV. Um, yeah, the build to Bianca Asuka is is somewhat perplexing, and I mean in in the uh, when when Asuka came out, uh, did you sense a buzz in the crowd? Like, oh, this is a moment, or or not? Like, because I don't know that they've I don't know that they've done a particularly specific job telling fans giving fans reason to be for or against Asuka's quest to become champion. And they've changed her character, but for her to just start, like, leaking blue slime out of her mouth and then start laughing maniacally, it just it just sort of seemed to die out there as, as, as a segment. And then, they, and then they announced, oh, Bianca and Asuka are going to team next week against uh, uh, Chelsea and, and Carmella. It's like, well, why, why would they want a team? Don't they have some agency in this? Do they, do they have to team with each other? Um, Asuka was taunting Bianca with a belt. And it just, yeah, the whole thing just feels awkward to me. So, yeah, just in terms of crowd reaction and also your thoughts on that. You know, there was, a, I, would say, I would say zero, but there was definitely probably not the pop they were expecting when Asuka came out. I feel like no one really, like, the energy in the arena, at least, that wasn't, a big time feel in the arena at all. Kind of just like you would think, probably to the average fan, that it was like a mid card uh, show uh, or um, a mid card, like, uh, I'm blanking the term right now, like mid card, like match for WrestleMania, you would think it would be if you weren't a hardcore fan. I think hardcore fans know what's going on, but definitely doesn't have that big time feel in the arena, at least. And, um, I actually sent to you an email, I'm not sure if you read it or not yet, but um, I was just asking you because I thought that segment was so weird in person. Yeah. And then I was thinking, I just don't understand, like, the Asuka fascination. I know everything's not for everybody, and they target certain people with certain characters, obviously. But for me, at least, I just don't understand, like, the Asuka fascination. i never seen her previously before WWE. So at least for me as watching, I don't understand what's so good about Asuka. Like, even, like, with Nakamura, I get I get why people like him. I'm not the biggest Nakamura fan, but I get it. I see why people would like him. I don't see why anybody would like Oscar, for me, to be honest. 
I mean, can you guys change my thought on that process? I don't understand that at all. Yeah, Tom, talk about her journey also, uh, you know, in particular through NXT and what is special about her. Because, I mean, in I guess she stands out more in a weaker version of the women's division than, than a, a strong women's division because she her her top asset was just her work, her, her work rate, her, her athletic ability, her ring acumen. Um, but, you know, as a character, it seems like they've been a little unsure how to frame and market her but um talk about her journey through nxt and and why you think she is special if you do yeah it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because her her dominant reign that uh, that ended up surpassing goldberg's reign uh on on nxt or reign streak uh on on nxt was during one of the relatively weaker uh phases of that of that uh Division. I mean, plenty of good personalities, but the uh, work rate-wise, it was Oscar was pretty much carrying uh, the division at that point. Um, uh, other people would be able to speak to her uh, days in Japan as Kana. I've gone back and watched some of those matches online uh, because she has made me enough of a fan that I wanted to do that. But it's just cherry picking, you know, Google results at, at that point for me. Uh, I haven't seen anything that I didn't like for whatever that's worth, but uh, it really was that uh, that incredible NXT presentation. Uh, she came in extremely strong. Uh, they they gave her, if I remember correctly, and we have not gotten to this point eight years back yet, uh, they gave her the exact same introduction as they gave to uh, Kenta when he came in as Hideo Itami. They introduced him as Kenta, the it, the the phrase they used was international superstar, and they kept saying that over and over again. But you know, from Japan, um, and uh, and he was introduced with Kenta on the screen, but then Kenta melts away, and he explains, you know, that he's now going to be known as Hideo Itami. And I, I seem to recall the same thing happening for her. Uh, but I don't know. I guess that's uh, an extra detail that I waste my breath on because the point is, she was just incredible in the ring, absolutely incredible. And it'll be interesting to revisit when we get to that point uh, in our in our retrospective on VIP. I don't recall them doing too much character wise. I remember it just being purely based on, you know, she is just unbeatable, except and I've heard people argue against this. But in my opinion, uh, she always made you wonder at the takeovers, you know, is, she, she felt beatable. So her matches were still engaging. It wasn't like, oh, well, we know Oscar's just going to win. And and again, I've heard people testify that they felt that way. But I was always engaged. Uh, she was able to tell stories and and um, show people like she had a match against Nia Jax. And Nia, she made Nia feel like a threat. She had a match against Eva Marie. And I remember being worried that she was going to lose to Eva Marie and this, this ongoing undefeated streak uh, where she became champion was going to end. Um, so I was very engaged with that and they carried that over to the, the main roster. Uh, Asuka, I, I think her, the video packages uh, introducing her were excellent and she was one of the easiest picks to win a Royal Rumble ever. Uh, the, the year that she won the first year that uh, the women ever had their, their own Royal Rumble. And since then, it has been very hit and miss and much more based on her character. And at that point, it does become more subjective for me because I'm already rooted in, oh, I already have this base of reasons that I just explained as to why I like her. And now 
you know, I'm just predisposed to enjoying her and I'm enough of a fan that I've gone beyond the WWE product and watched her YouTube channel and followed her social media. And I just think her personality is is great on top of everything else. Like um, she's uh, uh, I believe. Oh, do I have this? Um, Oh, I'm going to bungle the nationality on. uh, I I believe I know what nationality Mako Satamura is. Even just the name uh, should give it away. But I'll I'll shy away from saying it because I'm I'm lacking the confidence in my uh, thought process here. But like Mako Satamura, she's incredible in the ring. Absolutely incredible. I don't really know much about her personality. She seems great, but I do just rely on the work there. Um, With Asuka, it has it has gone beyond that for me. Uh, but that is that is where it becomes more subjective. Although, unfortunately, we reach points like we've reached now. She's reintroduced herself. She's got the Kana haircut back. She's changed the makeup. She's uh, focusing more on, you know, she's got a whole uh, remixed thing going on. It's 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 essentially the same, but it's fresh now. And she doesn't have a story. And we're just, you know, we're just relying on the personality that's supposed to come across when she comes down to the ring. And they, they've so transparently just done like, OK, Bianca's going to wrestle Carmella. And then the next week she's going to wrestle Carmella's friend. And then the week after that, they're going to you know team up to tag against them together. Like I I honestly I missed where they announced that that was going to happen. But I was already thinking like, well, next week they'll probably have the tag match. <laughs> and un- unfortunately, like Asuka's laughing. It didn't translate well live. It, from from what Effie's telling us, it didn't trans- translate well on television, um, and Asuka didn't even get the effect from the the capsule that that she wanted to get. It didn't really it it coated her teeth, but it didn't dribble out of her mouth the way that she wanted it to. So it really just fell flat when that's all that you are leaning back on with with a talent who. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a babyface versus babyface feud. I don't know why the match tonight. I mean, uh, Chelsea was the one who got the spit in her face last week. Why wasn't tonight Oscar versus Chelsea? Chelsea is a terrible wrestler who is not being presented as anything other than an ineffectual wrestler. Uh, even though Corey Graves very disprovably says that she uh, she wh- what was the direct quote? Um, I wrote it down, but whatever. He Corey was like, oh, she was very successful on NXT. It's like, <laughs> if you watched NXT, you know that wasn't the case, but okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the match tonight went through a commercial break, and it went long enough with Chelsea kicking out of stuff that she shouldn't be kicking out of because they want to show off, like, like was the case with so many other matches tonight, with just, you know, people on the WrestleMania card being enhanced by people who are not. Uh, it was just showing off, here are Bianca's moves. Here's what Bianca does. Here's Bianca Belair. There's the product. So why couldn't that have been Asuka this week? Um, not that it would have been too, too much better, but if all you're bringing to the table is what worked so well in NXT, look what great matches she has, then show that off a little bit. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. 
There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! I want to shift Effie to the Cody promo. Um, Cody got a great reaction. You said coming out, did he? Did that improve as a promo went on? Did he get the crowd fired up with that promo? I don't think it overstayed its welcome. Um, I was a big fan of the Cody promo tonight, but I'm I'm curious if it actually did go from a really good reaction to Cody to an even better reaction by the time he was done. You know, one hundred percent. Even during the match. There was a time, I'm not sure if you guys can tell on TV, but or if they like inputted noise, I'm not sure what they did, but there was definitely a point during the match where the crowd was kind of kind of getting bored and kind of going to sleep. And then I remember he put um, LA Knight and a kept in a, like, uh, wrestled, and he was pumping up the crowd. He definitely got the crowd back into it at that point. I think from that point on, from that from that point on, he got the crowd into it. Then you know he won, and then he definitely got the crowd super into it with the promo. The crowd was definitely really engaged. And, um, yeah, I think he definitely uh, he turned the crowd from that little boring moment, I guess, to the match where he lost everybody. And then, uh, yeah, he changed everybody around. Everybody's definitely 100% behind Cody. There was definitely no – I didn't hear no boos at all. Uh, but I will say, a lot of people were also with L.A. Knight. There was a lot of yeah chants throughout the night, even before he came out. And I heard people, like, even just walking by in the corridors doing the yeahs and saying they can't wait for L.A. Knight come out and uh, cut a promo, which he did not. But um, he was definitely getting a big reaction, yeah, within the crowd. But uh, a lot of people love the Cody, too. There's no, no no type of heat within the arena at all for Cody. Uh, you're saying there was no booing, no no pushback at all for him? No, no. Like, I, there's no, like, you know, like the boutiques and stuff, nothing at all. Like, yeah. I think the crowd's 100% behind Cody. There's no uh, fight back for at least in Providence. Yeah. What do you think of the there's promo? a lot of Cody shirts, like I said earlier. And, and what did you think of the I promo? I thought it was great. You know, yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I think it was great. I was, um, I wasn't the biggest Cody fan before he left WWE. Obviously, you know, his, you know, circumstances, you know, gets chance to do a lot of promos, but was the biggest fan. And uh, to be honest, I didn't really follow him as much when he left on his, uh, you know, any run at AEW. But when I did hear him in AEW, he didn't captivate me, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure what it was. He's, I never really uh, paid him much attention in, in uh, AEW, but something when he's been back, he's definitely uh, he captivates me at least with his storytelling, with his like family, and um, you know getting over that hump to conquer Roman. I don't think he's gonna be Roman. I think uh, I've heard this, you guys say in the podcast a bunch of times. I think he's gonna injure and kind of postpone it to uh, SummerSlam. But um, I'm engaged right now. I'm definitely engaged. I love uh, hearing him. And it's something where he's not saying it the same way every week. Like this week, he was so pumped up, energized. I was in the lower you know, 100 section, so I can kind of see him like flexing his muscles. I can see how like intense he is while he was delivering that promo, and it definitely got me more engaged seeing how emotional 
And um, it seems like it really does mean a lot to him. And you know, a lot of, I watch a lot of um, Cody promos this like outside WWE where he's going on High Night Seven, Rosenberg, and stuff like that. And it generally seems like he wants to do it for his dad. So I kind of feel him. I'm, I'm riding that journey with him. So hopefully, hopefully he conquers Roman. But I don't see it happening. But yeah, I'm, I'm all in with the Cody. And uh, he's definitely turned me around. And um, from the AEW days to where I, you know, I, I feel like he is a true star now in WWE. I also love the, the, the Heyman promo and the notion that they're trying to dictate to Cody that it's okay for you to be a contender. We'll, we'll accept that. We'll embrace that we want top contenders and you are a top contender. But don't make it personal. Don't become a problem. That's a different category. It's like this ultimatum that they get to dictate how Cody approaches his attitude towards this match, the title, and Roman. And that's a heelish thing to do. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, they're trying to control someone else, and it's not their business to control him. But it's also a genuine threat to Cody that raises the stakes, and it gives Cody something to not flinch at or back down from. So I just, I like the psychology of that. And you know, I was thinking how I was wondering how they were going to fill TV time each week to keep the build interesting so it wasn't just this, they're hitting the same notes two weeks before Mania that they were five weeks before Mania. And this idea that Cody has this really important choice next week where he, they said it, Heyman said it, will be the most important business and personal decision of his life. He has to choose whether he's a challenger or a problem. And again, it's, it's the heels defining it and giving an ultimatum to a babyface who now gets to react to that next week. I think that's compelling storytelling, and it adds a, a layer and a chapter to this that allows Cody's approach to this match and his interplay with Roman to evolve over time based on, again, Paul Heyman setting certain parameters that Cody does not need to agree to. And But if he doesn't, he's warned there'll be ramifications. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just to, like the in-person aspect of that, too, when Paul came on the screen crowd lost that they loved it like they uh <laughs> were happy to see Heyman so definitely um he definitely has the uh the swagger on the on the screen for sure yeah another question um in terms of uh uh crowd investment was for Edge and if he got a nice reaction coming out did he like Cody earn more of a reaction as a promo went on did the crowd like his line that I thought was a little clunky uh, getting into, you know, you're a weird hybrid and Irish, Australian, Mexican, Puerto Rican emo delight. And it sounds like a drink <laughs> at a hipster coffee joint. Like edge seems like somebody who would be ordering a drink at a hipster coffee joint. Like not somebody who would be making fun <laughs> of hipsters at a coffee, a hipster coffee shop. Um, did that work with the crowd? Were they into it? The crowd was definitely pulled back at that point. Uh, even my friends were like, Whoa, what? <laughs> like they were shocked that he said it. Cause you don't usually hear that often. Like, that type of kind of edgy comment, no pun intended, it was like, wow, did he really just say that? So it was, kind of, it was like, it was kind of worse when someone swears. It was weird. It was like, because you just don't hear that often nowadays. So uh, I don't know if they were into it. They were definitely shocked. They caught people's attention, that's for sure. Um, I th- yeah, I think it was kind of depends on the person. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny, but um, two of my friends I was with, they were definitely taken back. They laughed and chuckled. They were just like, damn, all right. I was not expecting that at all. So I think it was definitely uh, an edgy caught people off guard on it for sure. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. A lot of people loved and obviously got what, where Balor was going with the, um, you know, the, my, the demon mm-hmm. comment. I don't think that quote he said, but yep. it definitely got the crowd really into it. And, all that. and uh, two of my friends were with it. All 
oh snap, the demon's coming out. So um, that definitely definitely uh, intrigued people where they know where it's going for uh, WrestleMania. It was definitely captivates. It makes me more intrigued too. Cause, what this is like the twentieth time they fought. I mean, yeah, it's kind of gets to the point where it's kind of annoying at this point, but. It is cool. We're not, we all know the demon's going to come out of Mania, so I think people are, are more engaged. Yeah, you had Hell in a Cell and the demon, and that takes a match that felt stale and uh, certainly frames it in a way that, that has a chance to feel novel. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast, Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. My last, uh, my last question for you, I think, um, and then I, I'll throw it to Tom for any follow-up or, or additional topics, is uh, Dominic and Ray, um, the interplay there. Man, did, was a crowd on, on Dominic's case. That had to be fun to witness in person. Uh, <laughs> t- tell me about that, the ovation Ray got, and then just how alive did that arena get when, when Dominic came out, the, the unexpected uh, breakout heel of the past uh, handful of months. Yeah, um, people love I forget about it. Actually, um, Ray got a huge reaction. He got a humongous reaction. The entire like arena, at least on my end, uh, where I was standing, everybody stood up. So um, yeah, definitely Ray has everyone's attention still. And when Dominic came out, it was a uh, it was pretty engaging. Like like after I've heard a whole bunch of wrestling podcasts, and you guys always say, and obviously known, you know, a reaction is better than no reaction. And he was getting a reaction for sure. You know, again, the what chant, that's everything he said. And I thought he did a pretty good job of handling the what chant. He was beating up his cadence, so he was kind of ignoring it. And then he was repeating on purpose, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, what does it sound like? He kept repeating stuff. I'm not, not sure if he did it on purpose or not, but um, it was funny. I thought it was a kind of a comeback at it. And, um, yeah, the crowd was uh, loving to hate him, for sure. So, I mean, people can you – know, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think he's, uh, he's handling it well where, um, you know, he's develop- definitely developing as a heel. And um, I think he's kind of embracing at this, role, at this moment in time. And I'm just kind of, kind of you know, intrigued. Um, so, I, one, if they ask, I think he handled it well. I thought the presentation was good. The entire crowd was loving to hate him. Uh, Ray played his part well. But there's what, they, the countdown was on the arena today. It was 15 days to Mania or, like, 17. How much longer are they going to, you know, ride this out? When, are, when is Ray going to accept the challenge? Like, when do you guys think that will happen? Is it Ray fully yeah. on Raw now? I don't. So, so there's one more Raw to come. Like, what's he gonna do? Like, Dominic kind of already did everything he possibly can. You know, the Eddie comment, saying everything he possibly can to, you know, uh, to get Ray to say yes. So, what is going to make Ray say yes? I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen next. 
I don't know. I don't, get, I don't I, see where they go with this. I, I don't know, but I'm eager to see what it is that ultimately triggers Ray to agree to something. He's been steadfast, steadfast in 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 turning down, no matter how how uh, taunted and prodded he's been by his son. Uh, Tom, your 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 thoughts or speculation on that? Yeah, I I actually <laughs> thought pretty specifically about this because if there was anything that was surprising to me about this, it's that especially after they went out of their way to put a pause on the storyline, they've reminded us of it, and and Dom certainly makes his his mentions almost every time he opens his mouth. But now that Ray is back on Raw, uh, it ended the same way it was ending before he left Raw. He just walks away hanging his head. And, uh, like, like you said, uh, and like, like, uh, Effie said, um, Dom has now said everything he can say and Ray is still walking away. So now Dom has to do something. What is that thing? And while earlier in the show, I was saying, well, I hope they don't wait until the very last minute to unite Sammy and KO. Maybe this is something where they do wait till the last minute. It's, uh, I believe the first time that anyone has been inducted into the Hall of Fame while they're still a fully active member of the roster. And, of course, at first blush, it makes you wonder, like, oh, are they going to turn this into an angle? But the Hall of Fame ceremony, even though it's been diminished over the years, it still is extremely special. Um, Triple H put it extremely well when he said, or no. Triple H said that somebody else told him this, but I forget who that person was, maybe Michael Hayes or, or something like that. But uh, he, he relayed that the two biggest moments in a WWE wrestler's career are winning the world title and getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I think there is, a sti- there is still a huge level of respect for that. But Dominic kidnapping his sister Aaliyah, like... That's not enough. Aaliyah just shows up every once in a while and they're like, hey, Ray's family is here and and we don't really care. So how about Ray gets his full, they don't mess with it. He gets his full Hall of Fame induction. Conan comes out there. He he tees it up. He the same way everybody does. He explains why his relationship with Ray Mysterio was so special over the years. Ray comes out, gives his whole speech. Then after that's done, after they've had the genuine Hall of Fame moment and Conan has long since left after introducing Ray, then Dominic comes on the screen and he has a bloodied Conan in his hands. And now they're now at the last minute, literally after the the go-home SmackDown has ended, we add another match to the card. That's the best thing I can think of, and it doesn't force Conan to do anything physical, just give his speech and then go back and put some makeup on. Uh, uh, Tom, is there anything else you want to ask uh, Effie before we uh, let him go? Uh, no, he covered the LA night thing. I don't know if there was anything more specific about the LA night pop. It's just that he's, he's quite a story right now that he's got a groundswell and, uh, and Corey a reference on television that he's one of the fastest rising stars in WWE. And um, I, I thought it was a bit of a risk to put that as the the enhancement for for Cody, um, since since mm-hmm. LA Knight is really picking up his fans right now, but uh, but yeah, I guess the only thing specific that we didn't cover was the exact pop that he got. But clearly, people were chanting his catchphrase in the concourse. 
In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Uh, Effie, is there anything else you want to convey to us about the experience tonight? Any segments we didn't talk like about Kevin Owens and Sola Sokoa, for instance, um, or anything anything else? Yeah, just up to you. Yeah, I'll give you guys a couple of talking points. So, one, randomly, I didn't know that Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis had any like like loyalty to Edge. So that one, that confused me. <clears throat> Two of my friends were also confused as well. I'm not sure if I missed that in the build to that. Two, um... When Logan Paul came on screen, he got booed pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> and when they announced Roman coming next week, people were uh, upset about that, that he wasn't in the arena today. So people were upset that Roman wasn't there. Also, it was very confusing how Brock was there for, like, confusing. And I have to respect it that he comes to Providence for, like, two minutes, does whatever he does, leaves, and probably is leaving back in Minnesota at this point of the night. <laughs> So, I mean, shout out to him being a legacy star to do that. That's crazy. Like, let's get that payday. is wild because that was like, I don't get the purpose of that. He's there for, what, not even two minutes. I, I would not be surprised um, if someday we learn, Effie, that Brock Lesnar's current contract is a million dollars per minute. Um, it, would be the, it, would be, it would be the way to explain <laughs> his short matches, his brief appearances. Um, I, I could imagine the power play Lesnar poll just saying, I want, you know, it's like, you know, I want to, I want to see if I can have only certain colored M&Ms just to make sure that, you know, the, the event organizers are reading my, my demands. I'm going to be particular about something arbitrary and they get, you know, a kick out of that. I could imagine Lesnar's going, let's see if they'll take this deal. And let's say it's take it or leave it. I, I'm, I'm joking, but, and they probably it, do it. but it doesn't sound actually implausible based on how he's utilized either. Cause you're right. It is just bop in and uh and leave and my god what a what a what a way to earn a living uh more than well he's beyond earning a living now what a way to get rich uh filthy rich i'm jealous yeah yeah i'm jealous for <laughs> yeah. sure yeah i'm definitely jealous and uh, i guess i'll leave you one last one like i said earlier on spanish and i i am very shocked because how usually wwe does not capitalize on these type of things in the pop culture world uh i'm a huge bad bunny fan and it's crazy how much they have mm done it properly this time with yeah. a megastar that's currently a megastar um mm. you know two of my friends i like to travel a lot and we're saying and they didn't know that backlash is in puerto rico they're like wait what oh, wow. and bad bunnies and hosts we should we should go i'm like i'm going first bomb dad but their second off is like yeah it's crazy how they're utilizing him how he's such a megastar now how he loves wwe it always feels like wwe doesn't capitalize on those type of celebrities and i think they're knocking out the park of bad money um, you know, to, to get him to do that. And um, I'm not sure what he has thoughts on Bad Bunny and how they utilize him. But um, one thing I think they could, uh, one more person that can capitalize on is Damian Freese. I mean, I don't know how many tall, yeah. Hispanic, fluent, bilingual stars they have. And I think they could be, I, was, I wouldn't say they're dropping the ball on him, but I think they could be utilizing better, like how they're utilizing like Bad Bunny type of, you know, star, especially bilingual, tall, has the presence. I like his swag, I like his fashion. So um, I think, you know, I guess my last comment here would be uh, I think they should use uh, Damian Priest more. And, uh, 
Whew. Yeah, I'm sure you, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Bad Bunny and how they utilize him as well. Yeah, I mean, they, he's a bigger star now than he than he was um, when they first utilized him, and and it is kind of a bummer for Damian Priest that he had that that connection, that on air. Uh, relationship and it didn't lead to Priest being a bigger star. I mean, Priest is being overshadowed in order, but mostly by Dominic and by Rhea and even by Finn Balor, who who's great, but not a lot of tr- you know. There's a, a lot of wear on the tread in terms of his character and how he's been utilized and the smiling Finn and the NXT back to NXT Finn and uh, it's like he is the fourth guy in terms of momentum. And granted, uh, Todd Martin made this point once on on the Fix uh, podcast the VIP show, uh, it, people who tend to not be stars on the indie scene in, or wherever they go tend to not eventually d- tend to not become stars anywhere else. Like it, it, something has kept him from breaking out despite checking a lot of boxes that you just mentioned, Abby, in and associating with Bad Bunny. There's something that just isn't quite latching on where they feel confident moving him up. Um, but it does feel wrong. And I'm not saying that he should move up. I'm saying it feels wrong that he doesn't. And I think everyone's still trying to kind of figure figure out if there's something more to tap into to make that work. Uh, Tom, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I really liked his NXT stuff. Um, I, I, I shied away from saying NXT run because, I don't know, there wasn't much of a run. But what he did do in NXT, I, I thought, was uh, really nuanced from a character standpoint. And it just it just hasn't clicked on the main roster. I still, uh, like Effie, I'm, I'm waiting for, for him to take the next step up. Um, I think at this point we could hope for a Baron Corbin-level ceiling. And I guess when I say that, I mean, like, what would, the best that we've seen of Baron Corbin, not exactly where he's at right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's capable of more it's just unfortunate that since the call-up there have been hiccups like when he when he is put out there as a united states champion to give a promo it's it was he didn't put his best foot forward and when he is put in there to have a big flagship uh whether or not it was the main event i don't recall but you know match with edge probably the main event um, you know, he he also didn't have his best foot forward, unfortunately. Just uh, when when the spotlight shines, it, it it hasn't been his day. But uh, he's he's a talent that I've continued to believe in. And and when they announced, I mean, it it's just because of the nationality thing. But you know, when they announced the uh, the Puerto Rico show, I thought, you know, I hope I hope Priest gets a singles match. Uh, especially because he really has been sidelined in his own faction lately. Um, Edge didn't even refer to him. Edge uh, mentioned Dom and Rhea, and then the only semi-mention that uh, that that Priest got was when he was referred to as Lurch from the Adams Family. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's that. And yeah, you know what? Uh, the um, the idea of Gargano and Loomis being aligned with Edge, I was wondering that when they ran out because I was like, uh, that's an odd. Person, why? Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect Johnny to even be on the show after he made uh, a, a, you know, he's 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 not returned to NXT, but he's showing up on on NXT to to build to a takeover or a um you know a premium match at Stand and Deliver. Uh, same thing. People get too hung up on the takeover uh, name. It's just a word. There's my hot take there. <laughs> um, but uh, and my I, I was I was really trying to force it in my mind. I was like, I remember when Edge interviewed Gargano on his podcast and called him Johnny Kick him in the ding ding as a nickname. But what is 
this. And then Corey had to say, as they were fading to commercial, Corey shouts, there's a scheduled match. So, so I guess you didn't get it in the arena, but that's the reason that apparently the match had already been scheduled. So Gargano and Loomis were already in the <laughs> shoot waiting to come out. And, and yeah, there you gotcha. go. Yeah, that was confusing. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure. I I, said, I saw email played this after the show went off air. Um, they were gonna triple team KO again, but KO body slammed Solo through the table, and then he ran out and got away. And he had left the arena faster than like half the show, half the arena, because he literally ran by me into his car. <laughs> um, he, he was out after the show. So, oh wow! Uh, him and uh, and um and uh. I'm forgetting his first name, but um, well, I'm blanking out his name. Uh, oh, Freebird. I'm blanking out his first name. Oh, but, yeah, uh, Michael, and, uh, Michael P.S. Michael, oh. Hayes, Michael Hayes and Kevin Owens ran right by me, so they oh, were funny. out after the show. <laughs> wow. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, uh, appreciate you reading, Tom. Uh, hey. I have one plug. I have a podcast as well, EG Pod Thunder, and all social media, all podcast platforms. You can like, subscribe, it's appreciated. And I appreciate all the shows you guys do. I listen after every SmackDown and Raw. So, um, yeah, like, I love all the work. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience. It was like, uh, come by and do it again. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Effie, I appreciate it. I hope we hear from you again, even when you're not an outside correspondent. I know you just did a sign-off, and it feels like we should end here. But I have one other thing I really want to ask you about, if you have a second. Yeah. And that go is, and, and you, you brought up Lesnar, yeah, and I want to get your, your take on the, the, the buzz or the vibe or the lack of in the building for Lesnar and Omas facing off. Because I, I think there's people who think nobody cares about this match. Everyone's offended by it. Um, what a waste of Brock Lesnar. It's insulting. And then there's also the possibility that there is a part of the WWE audience that is okay with this slice of WWE, this intrigue of, as the announcers put it, and you didn't hear this, Effie, but can Lesnar solve Omas because Lesnar's dominated everybody else, but look, he's so big. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, in the building, when those two enter the ring, was there sort of a whoa moment that, that felt genuine? Was it mocking? Um, did it sustain itself? Like, Did you come away thinking more or less about this as, an, as a matchup for Lesnar at a WrestleMania? I will say there was a couple of kids behind me and they were definitely like, um, had like that reaction where it's like, wow, like look how big this dude is. And then, well, yeah, Lesnar came out after Omos, but still when Lesnar was making his uh, circle around the ring, everyone's like, wow, look how big Lesnar is. And then when Lesnar stepped in front of Omos, he and my friend, and my friend is pretty knowledgeable amongst like, he's an athlete as well. He's like, God damn, he's like, Lesnar's big and he looks tiny compared to Omos. So uh, I think people definitely are engaged with the, how Brock is obviously so big and he looks so tiny compared to Omos. And um, when Omos came out first and obviously went to commercial, uh, during the commercial break, everyone was screaming, we want Lesnar. So, I mean, they were into it. I'm not sure. If, I mean, he was uh, scheduled on the uh, website, but I'm not sure how many people checked it out. Honestly, I never do. Uh, that's like my first time I ever did go into a show, and I've been told like, I said a million of them. So I, I knew Brock was coming, but I don't know how many people knew Brock was going to be there. But a lot of people were into, um, you know, they were chanting his name. You know, we want Lesnar that entire commercial break. So I'm not sure how long that is, what, maybe like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. The entire time, the crowd was uh, anticipating Lesnar. So uh, I'm not sure if that indicates people are into the match, but they definitely were intrigued to see Lesnar at least face off against Omos in person in Providence, at least. So it wasn't dead, that's for sure. That was, it wasn't even close to the deadest uh, 
you know, segment of the night. I think that definitely belongs to Elias and Corbin. Oh, Elias and Ben Corbin as well. With um, you know, just T-Rex running into him, but Elias, you know, hand slide was him. Brock cannot even come close. I mean, people were definitely into it for sure. I want to say they're into it as if like a Cody and Roman, but they're definitely intrigued. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got your take on that. That's interesting. We'll continue to uh, try to get a read on, on how you know actual WWE audiences are acting to that because I, I am not confident in, in whatever direction it would go. I could imagine people booing and catcalling or being silent, but I also didn't rule out the possibility there would be a segment, a sizable segment, intrigued and, and into it because it is so novel and different. Certainly, that's what WWE is banking on, even if it wasn't their their uh, primary dream choice uh, for Lesnar. Cool. Effie, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was yeah. better. It just it went like maybe like a minute or two longer. I think it was just so short. It's like, whoa, yeah. hey, that's all we got. But yeah. I heard someone in the back of me. This guy was screaming all night, like cat calling all night. He was like, that's it? It's like, <laughs> I actually agree with him this time around. That's funny. <laughs> like, that was short. That's so, funny. That's funny. Yeah, this, yeah I got back on the night. But yeah, it was super short. I think it could have benefited at least maybe like a minute longer or at least. Brock had to throw the ref like he usually does. It would mean he didn't do anything. <laughs> so I'm not sure or, if or at least like Jamie Brock Noble. Nervous or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just throw Jamie not on the corridor or something. <laughs> so it was definitely. I think it was hey. so short where it was like okay. Hey Effie, uh, what was Michael Hayes wearing? <laughs> he was wearing a purple blazer, his hat, and um, I couldn't check out the. The like the, the his jeans I I can't remember I definitely remember his purple uh, blazer with the feather hat and uh, Owens was wearing the same exact thing he was wearing in the ring. He waited. <laughs> yeah, I, he's had I, I would have been on and ignored everybody. I, I would have been supremely disappointed with any other answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, the mask from the glass definitely uh definitely his. Awesome. You know, guys, I appreciate your time. I know you guys uh, yeah. you know, keep going and um, doing what's my welcome. But I appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, if you guys can follow the podcast page, EG Pop Thunder. Thanks. Hey, Effie, you keep saying your podcast, that podcast so quickly. Say it slower in case people want to check it out. EG Pod of Thunder. EG Pod of Thunder. Got it. It's on literally all social media, all podcast platforms. So it's my initials, EG Pod yep. of Thunder. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, yep. Wade. And uh, thank you, Tom. I'm all about plugs. They might as well be effective if we're going to do it. Thanks, Effie. Appreciate it. Talk to you hopefully soon. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You bet. Appreciate it. You bet. We are not, you know, if you want to be an on-site correspondent and plug something, you're, you're welcome to. I mean, that for that kind of, for that kind of time and effort, um, and contribution to the show, um, if you've got a favorite charity or a band you want to promote or, or a favorite TV show that you think doesn't get enough attention, that can be a thing. You can certainly bring it up. And if you have a podcast, obviously that's okay too.